Right. We discussed this cyclical narrative. Mm -hmm. It is sort of a reincarnation, reincarnation narrative. Re what in Re reincarnation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give the special. Thanks. All right, welcome to another episode of Waiting for Stir Fry. Today, we're going to be talking about a game. Um, the game is called Journey. It's an indie adventure game that was developed by that game company and Santa Monica Studio. Uh, it was published by Sony, mm -hmm. and it's available to play on PlayStation, PC, and iOS. Um, you know, but I think I we should... all... Huh? I didn't realize it was actually out for iOS. Yeah, it seemed like that was more of a recent thing. I guess originally it was just on PlayStation, which I think is where we all played it. Um, and by the way, I'm here with Edwin and Jonas. Say hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. And I'm Sarah. <laughs> um, so in the game, in Journey, you control a roped character, um, and you're obviously on a journey. Uh, you start in a desert, and you're heading to a mountaintop that you continuously see in the distance throughout the game. And you have to progress just through a handful of chapters and different landscapes. And you can also meet other players on your journey and progress alongside them, which is a pretty unique aspect of the game. Um, but there's yes. really hardly any text at all in the game or communication, so it's, it gets pretty interesting. Um, so let's start with some initial opinions. Edwin, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fairly well known that I completely love this game. Uh, I'm sure all of me... our listeners already know that. I'm sure. Well, I think Journey is... <laughs> Don't they read the blog? We put no, it in the blog. <laughs> it's not only one of the few games that I would completely point to people if they want to see games as art, but it's for me, it's one of the very few games that can succinctly summarize what makes gaming unique as a medium itself. And so for me, it's an incredible game. And uh, hopefully I can convey that in this episode. <laughs> with what I think about it. Uh, All right, uh, Janice. I uh, I see Edwin's points. I don't disagree with them. I generally like the game. Um, you know, I had played uh, the studio's other games, Flower and Flow, before, so I knew I was going to have you know a pretty chill time, and I did. Uh, I do think the game has like one main shtick, and as Edwin says, you know, part of the reason it's art is it plays super well. Uh, they tie it all together with the medium really well. And we'll get into that in depth at some point. But uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Cool. Yeah, I uh, first time I played this game was like several years ago. And I've also played the other games, you know, Flower and Flow. But I, I didn't play those until after playing Journey just because I liked it a lot. Um, initially, I guess looking at it, I didn't expect too much from it. But it did turn out to be a very unique game. Um, really beautiful visuals, emotional music. Uh, the way they use the companions in the game is pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, I just felt compelled to keep playing it again and again, part of that because I wanted the achievements, but also because it's <laughs> it's actually interesting, you know, to keep playing it. Um, and then playing it again, you know, thinking about it as we were going to talk about it here, I, I realized that it had some pretty strong themes in it too, which is, which is cool. I will uh, throw so, in... Yeah. I will throw in that replayability is probably what makes this game unique for me because I don't often play games again and I played this mm -hmm. like uh, five times. It's a two hour, you know, it's maybe three hours the first time, yeah. hour and a half the last time. It's pretty time. low commitment, so it's easy to replay. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah. Um, cool. All right. So, yeah, jumping into it, I guess we can start talking about just the gameplay experience overall. Um, 
as I said, the I already said, you know, there's hardly any text or communication in the game, but I think in general the gameplay experience is pretty simplistic. Um, the the art style is fairly simple, you know, geometric, um, and the the player you only really have a couple of actions you can do. You know, you can move around in in 3D space, and then you can press one button for one action, and then you can press another button, I think, to jump, and that's about all you can do. Um, and you know, even with that limited set of things you can do, I think the game does a good job of, you know, making you really feel what's going on and bringing out the emotion and the messages in the game. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that I think it's an important aspect of it because uh, the game opens with you being by yourself mm-hmm. with no tutorial really except for how to move the camera. So you have to sort of pretty much learn how to do something. Initially, of course, it doesn't mean anything because we don't really know why you're there, right? Uh, but on replay, I think for me, it felt like it's like a baby learning how to walk. It's that, that experience because <laughs> this thing is just being born again. Um, and the fact that it never gets more complicated than that is kind of interesting. It just sort of, you know, means that the game can take you from there and show you things without having to worry about training you through it. Yeah, I think it's also interesting because, like, as you said, you, there isn't it doesn't get more complicated from there, but the chapters do kind of change and you do different things in them as you progress. So it kind of it feels as if you're like learning new things to do in the game, even though the actual actions you're performing are the same. Yeah, right. there are um, no which new. Which I thought was pretty cool. There are no new mechanics. It's all just kind of jump and fly, or jump, fly, and then I guess just fly farther, and that that is mm-hmm. about it. I did want to tack on that. Um, I think what what sort of gets across in the simplistic thing, uh, I mean, even so far as you know, you're in this desert for most of the game, where there's just not a lot going on, is you know, it lends the it lends the game this tone, this sort of ambiance of just you know, the fact that it's just you allows you to think about just you, and it's a very focused sort of telling, and it's the word I would use is meditative, and we'll come back around yeah. to that at some point. Mm, yeah, I think it also makes the game very accessible. Yes. It means mm-hmm. anybody can play it. Yes. And get that similar experience out of it. You don't need to have a high threshold of a skill to be able to yeah. get something out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also, for me, it really changes. It really underscores the experience once you meet another player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in you know, early on in the game, once you get familiarized with the controls and some of the mechanics, gameplay mechanics that you can interact with, you meet a new partner in this game assuming you're not playing at two in the morning like i do and end up playing by myself (laughs) that's the worst (laughs) you may or may not meet another player (laughs) yeah yeah right um which is interesting because none of that is ever advertised in the game like when you when you buy it none of it says oh it's it's a cooperative experience Mm -hmm. that you can get out of it um so the first time when i was playing it and this character showed up i was like oh interesting i guess there's something else when you learn that this is actually probably a human playing this character uh i thought it was to me it's floored me every time i play it it's just that realization that that is an actual person Mm -hmm. from a game that's so simple just watching them and realizing that how they behave mirrors how you've learned how to behave in this game is -hmm. what really connected with me um and sort of, I don't know, it just creates a, a bond with that other player, even if you can't communicate with them. Definitely, yeah. It's really cool how, you know, there's really, there's no way you can communicate with the other person playing this game with you except by 
like the one way you can kind of jump and it makes a little sound and yeah, like some like yeah like a symbol appears above your head and there's like kind of light that emanates from you yeah. and so like if you're far away from each other you can use that to help like the other person to see where you are or like as a way to say oh follow me or oh where are you um but it's really just this one thing that you can use to communicate other than that there's nothing you can do um and the only other thing that or the only the only thing that you can kind of identify people by is their experience playing the game, which I thought was interesting. So every time you play the game, once you finish it all the way through, your like the robe that your character is wearing um, like gains some more symbols. So I, like really the only thing you have to identify other people with is how experienced they are in playing the game. Yeah, which I, I think kind of adds something as well. Until you mentioned yeah. it. And especially once you get the white robe, which is if you collect all the... Uh... All right. the white, all the symbols you end up getting the, the thing, and then, or the and then symbols, you, yeah, yeah, and then you are the uh, the teacher. Um, I <laughs> yeah, just from a you know a less abstract point of view, just playing with a partner, something we just haven't said outright. I think generally makes the game a whole lot better. It is just a lot yeah. more fun. You know, the game goes faster. You don't have to like walk so far between the strips of uh, fabric before you can fly again. I think that's really mm-hmm. important. Um, yeah, faster, better, more engaging. And you know that in itself is a statement that the game is making, yeah. and I feel like it's it's yeah. you know part you know core pillar of the state of the statements is making, and uh, yeah I think that's interesting. On the other hand, uh, I, it did feel a little performative. Uh, the the first time I played, like the first time I played, I felt super awkward. Like oh shit, there's another person. Like well, am I being weird? Am I walking around weird? Am I pressing circle too many times? Uh, it been that's you know. <laughs> And, but they don't know who you are. Yeah, but it's feel that way. It's still, well, you know, uh, you know, judgment still exists. I definitely was judging them. They definitely judged me, probably. Uh, but I will say, but they eventually, have nothing to judge you by because they don't know who you are. But except for well, it doesn't matter how many you times you've played. May, like I said, maybe you're walking funny, maybe you're goofy. But again, mm. this was me on the first playthrough. I was just saying yeah. that, you know, like historical note. As I went on, you know, you kind of buy into what the game is about. And then once you run into another player that's like that, and you don't feel awkward about like running into each other to like re up your fly powers, uh, mm-hmm. then it, it just you really step into that. This game is a lot more enjoyable. And hey, here's what this game is trying to say: uh, play mm-hmm. with a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. that's what I wanted to bring up too. I think um, one of the big themes in the game is definitely collaboration and friendship and that's obviously enforced by the fact that it's a lot easier to play when you have someone else because you can kind of recharge each other's energy and as you said go Mm -hmm. faster and farther as you play with them Um, especially towards the end once it gets harder to move Mm -hmm. and then um and in addition to i mean not only with the real world world companions you're playing with but the different creatures you kind of release and unlock and see along the way they're all there to help you Mm -hmm. um so it's just kind of assists that or plays into that message that you know the collaboration and the friendship and kind of helping each other and you're and you're helping them as well because you're kind of freeing them from these cages that they're trapped in yeah right for me for me i've had pretty much what two playthroughs of this game that's it what Uh, yeah that's it i've only played it twice are you what it's the best game on this earth i've played it two times yeah yeah uh the first time i was out of my element and I felt like I was being completely being, um, I don't know, guided by my partner at that point. 
It was a very interesting experience because it for me it's the opposite. I never felt any judgment. I thought they were generally trying to help me. And then the second time I played it, I was the one that knew how to play the game. The other character didn't know, so I actually walked them through many parts of the game to get stuff, and uh, they were very appreciative of that. At least they felt that way. Yeah, when I tried yeah. to do that, it didn't always work. Like I would be like, "Hey, wait!" I was well, mashing the signal button, like to get the point across that, like, "Hey, I, uh, I have something important to tell you." And they just kind of fucked right off anyway. Interesting. Despite my white robe, I had the white robe at that point. <laughs> But That's you know, fine. you're just playing the game, so I didn't worry about yes, it. I guess, <laughs> I guess it's a different experience. I guess for yeah. me, it felt more, more. I don't know, idealized. I guess. Yeah, you yeah, kind of had the, remember... the the exact design case. Sarah, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say one of the earlier times that I played it, I ran into someone who had the white robe, and I was like, "Oh my god, who is this <laughs> sage who is of this wisdom? <laughs> I must follow him." <laughs> How do I look like that? <laughs> so I interrogated him in Morse code. <laughs> Did he show you? But yeah, I don't. Or she? I mean, I don't. I don't remember. There definitely have been multiple times when I've played, and the person I played with, like into, like was indicating to me where different runes were. Mm. Although later on, it was oh. like, I know that already. Just come with me. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, um, yeah, one thing that. I wanted to bring up that Edwin, you had said in in your notes mm-hmm. was your your mention of the ending of the game and how that rips away the sense of companionship. And I was curious about that because I kind of felt like the opposite. Same. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I guess for me, okay. I mean, in the in the ending, uh, just to explain how the ending works, mm-hmm. um, you get to like the top of this snowy mountain. Um, and or you're climbing up the snowy mountain, and it gets very difficult. Your your robe, which your robe and scarf, which kind of give you power to move faster in the game, are all frozen, and so you can you're kind of slowed to a crawl um, until your scarf disappears. Before your scarf disappears completely, and you, if you have a companion, you can kind of you know help each other to move a little bit mm-hmm. faster by constantly recharging each other, which I think is one thing that reinforces the companionship, like towards the end sure. of the game, and then. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, even, you know, at some point you both kind of collapse into the snow of exhaustion and then you're, you know, resurrected or something by these great white whoa, 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 whoa. oracle creatures. I've never had that happen. Edwin, what? <laughs> My partners always disappeared. I just assumed that's oh. how the game worked. Oh, okay. Left, well, that, that explains it a lot then because, no, yeah, if both of you make it that far, you do both fall over, you both make it to the top of the mountain. And then in the mm-hmm. end, the ending scene, you're basically just kind of walking slowly into like this... Um, I don't know, like a, a crevice in the mountain, With and the then big, you, the big light, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, me, but I've it never, shows it shows it both there. you and your partner, you know, walking yeah. off into the distance. No, I've never made it that far with a partner. I just assume the game takes them away at that point. And, mm-hmm. No, that would and, okay. uh, that would result in a very different read. But no, I we yes, we, yes. we died together. We lived together. You know, I got out exactly. a little faster from the resurrection, so I stood there waiting, and they were like, ah, and we were like, ah. And then we went on our merry way to Nirvana. Uh-huh. It was all pretty sweet. <laughs> so interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I thought the game was trying to say, "It's like, hey, man, you're still, you're the one who has to decide to carry forth." Um, <laughs> you had the so companion that's, that's this the... whole time. It was very important, and now it's not. <laughs> yes, I thought that's what the game was trying to get at. It was just mm-hmm, like you know, going from here, like the last bit is really you. You have to put in the the effort there you can't have your partner carry you by just him matching circle 
that's what I thought I took out of it. But I guess that's not. It's still the same necessarily thing. Necessarily the intent. Sorta, because like you die together, but you still both die. You both still lose your power. In the end, death mm-hmm. comes for us all. So, but maybe not that much. Right, changes. but you're there with somebody. Like you're not Fair. alone. Right, right, right. Yes. Um, Which is, is a pretty different thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, well that I, makes I can sense. I completely see why we disagree there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will give credit for the game to, to you know, have that possibility built in. You know, it yeah. doesn't just switch to some random or just sort of near the end, you spawn somebody that looks like a guy from the cutscene. is like, oh, here's your friend. You know, even though they're not actually your friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the I first would... time that happened to me, I definitely suspect, like, was wondering whether or not it was a real person playing because you, there's really no way you know except, like, judging by their... Um, by I their guess, actions, in, yeah. In-game right, body right, language. Right. Yeah, and yeah. then at the end of the game, in the credits, or at the end of the credits, you actually see like their username, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, that was yeah. a real person. That's crazy." <laughs> yeah, LeBron sixty nine sixty nine. We yeah. are friends forever, <laughs> soul brothers. Add to friend list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy how you know you feel like you've made an actual connection with this person, even though you haven't said anything to them, you don't know anything about yeah. them really. Yeah. But you know, you've you've just gone through life and died together. <laughs> drawback quick a quick interjection on, on on limitations of that approach is that uh, when people get to play for collectibles uh, <laughs> it is a bunch yes. of bullshit <laughs> forget the companion leave them behind I, th- I need to get to this chapter right now <laughs> I gotta go see the flow creature at the bottom of the tower go on without me I hate it uh, I you know this is another another th- reason for me to hate the collectible craze but mm. uh, in any case uh it's right. it's an it's an addiction. Collectibles it's, have been games really since tough. the start, though. Yeah, but I feel like the obsession with them, you know, like the completionist. I, maybe I don't hate collectibles. I hate the completionist urge to like you got to finish to finish. It's like no, you don't. Yeah. But you know, I don't need a wages crusade right now. Let's let's carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we've going back to. We've already obviously touched on the cyclical nature of the game, but I think it's worth diving into further, you know, the way that... Why does it mean? What does what, it mean? Well, exactly. <laughs> what does it mean? Well, we um, I don't know that we said it explicitly. You get to the top of the mountain, you walk through the light, and then... Uh, you faint. You are shot out of the, the... You're shot out of the mountain like a little spur. And a great explosion. And you fly through <laughs> the landscape you've already played through as this, like, white light. Uh, and then you end up right back where you started. And the game asks you, would you like to play a new journey? Right. Uh, but the question is, mm-hmm. is that really you? That, yes. That is... Right. That's, so... <laughs> that's not what yeah, I got I mean, I, out of it. No, no, no. I'm saying... Well, yeah. I'm saying, yes, that is the question. <laughs> so for me, the the first several times I played it, um, I assumed, you know, it was the same character kind of playing it over and over again. And the interpretation that I had was that you know, you continue doing the journey because that's like the way your character learns. And because it's about the journey, it's not about, you know, hanging around at the destination. And because, you know, as you're, as you do the journey, your coat gets these more, more of these symbols. It means you're learning things. And the purpose is for you to go back to the beginning and help the other players kind of get to the end because they can see that you're, you know, wise and experienced and you can kind of shepherd them along, along the way to the top of the mountain. But then... I think, I don't know if it was the last time, it might have been the very last time I played it, I realized at the very end when you get shot out of the mountain, mm-hmm. um, like the camera kind of focuses on one of like the tombstones, which, you know, you see throughout the game, they're just like these kind of metal pillar things sticking out of the ground and they have like a symbol on them. 
And, you know, thinking about it, there's like that point in the game where you kind of fall into the snow and then you're magically kind of shot up and you reach the top of the mountain and you're flying around. And I was like, wait a second, maybe this is supposed to mean that like your player is dying and then you're getting, I don't know, you're reincarnated or reborn, or maybe it's an entirely new player and then you're playing the journey again. So it's like a, maybe a similar message, but kind of a slightly different one where the game itself is, you know, supposed to be you journeying through a life, you know, from beginning to end, you know, meeting friends, overcoming, you know, these difficulties, whatever. And then at the end, you're actually dying and your tombstone is just one among the many that you've seen. Right. For me. So I'm guessing that's the same reading you got. Um, It's similar. Uh, for me, I agree. I think you are supposed to take the scene where you fall into the snow as you're dying and then that's mm-hmm. the end of you. And then the reincarnation part. It's just something being reborn. It's not really you yourself. I think you, the person who's playing the game, is the one that keeps the knowledge, not the creature, right? Because if you but respawn... The robe, <laughs> the robe right, but the has robe. more symbols, <laughs> and eventually you have the white robe. Right, but what we don't know is if there's something underneath that robe. For me, I thought the robe and all the fabric in the game is actually just a, a, a sort of a representation of life and so what what's inside of this robe is nothing i think it's just this is a sentient i like that this is a sentient robe well the well the Ah. animal robes are just animal robes right (laughs) oh that's actually kind of interesting although i mean there's definitely a clear figure under the robe but it's definitely an interesting thought i don't agree that and this is something that I've been going back and forth in my mind over, but I don't completely believe that those graves are actually your graves. Because I, what I've been really wrestling with... <laughs> those, been, aren't, those aren't fossils. Those were planted no, no, there no. by the devil. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, I, what, Sorry, been, go on. what I'm trying to say is that either there is some kind of mystical prophecy that keeps being fulfilled, right? Or... Uh-huh these murals that are on the walls are actually always there. And so what I've been trying to rationalize is what does that mean for me? And what I've come to Mm -hmm. is to think that you, the brown people, are actually different from the white folks, like the uh, (laughs) white-robed creatures. And (laughs) And what happens, I think, for me, what happens is that this civilization destroyed itself, the white-robed civilization, by taking in this power from the mountain, which is all the robes, and using it to create weapons mm-hmm. and destroying each other. Once they were near the end of their existence, they took all of themselves, which have the energy right of the mountain, and died on the mountain. And you are actually a different kind of life form that was created from the mountain, just like the robes were, the robe Ooh. animals and stuff. Uh, that's pretty I, interesting i mean because, i definitely agree based on or based on like the the lore and the kind of prophecies that you see throughout the game it, or i think mainly the ones that you like the the murals that you kind of collect throughout the game that you find it seems like there was some kind of great war that happened because you see like the the robed creatures like fighting each other on those big monsters um and i think there's one of them that's like a graveyard and there's like a bunch of you know, character like oh, yeah. creatures lying underground, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if I fully agree with you. That seems like a like a like a 
what's the word? Not a reach. Well, a reach, maybe. I, I can. That's not outside their own possibility. But you have to assume if well, you think. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's making more and more sense as I think about it because I think a lot of the glyphs I didn't. Maybe I didn't, you know, think about them enough to kind of piece them together into a whole story. Right. But because otherwise, it's time um, travel, right? Then the <laughs> now that I think about it, I mean, yeah, like your character in the glyphs does look different from like the white robed creatures and so maybe what you're saying about you being like a new type of creature compared to the old like past ancient civilization is true um but yeah i mean there's like there's no way <laughs> for us to really know for sure right because all we have is these pictures to look at yeah, but yeah, i think yeah. you know it's it's well, possible I mean, if the pictures are gray or white or brown i think it's a pretty telling thing and i can't remember well we don't really know that. they're just yeah actually they're on brown yeah, these stone, are all so we can't these really are tell. all yeah. No, these are all white, according to these screenshots. Oh, they are? I Interesting. Yeah, and but, then... the, and, but the the ones that you see between the chapters, like the ones that are moving and like um, show what you're, what you're doing, like your character in those looks different from the white ones and the glyphs that you see. Correct. I think. That's you. Yeah, you because doing... you're brown. Yeah. Right. And these old right. ones are white. Right, which also explains why there's no... Where are all these dead white-robed things? I think what was left, they went to the mountain... Uh -huh. And that's where they, that's yeah, where I guess, their tombs I mean, are. Yeah. Another question I had is who are these giant white robed people like kind of helping you throughout? Right. I think that you have to buy into some mystical existence of the soul mm. in this universe. And that's where they are. Yeah. They're mm. like echoes of them. Yeah. I, I, I do want to caution against reading too much and trying to speculate too far into the, the lore. There's only speculation in here. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to just, I think this is just to, make sense of what we think this game is trying to say i don't think it's essential to the game experience although it is an interesting thing to try and read into well it's yeah it, i mean as i said i hadn't really thought yeah. that much about it well the reason until now, the reason but I, it, it makes it makes sense yeah the reason i thought about it is because ultimately what i think the game is or what your character is doing is based on that that difference that he is not part of that race he's a different species and his role is to actually steward the captured beings of energy right to take them to the mountain and let them be reincarnated in a cycle of energy of life you're a sentient creature whose only purpose is to steward and continue the cycle which is different from the white robe people who created this civilization took advantage of it destroyed themselves and i think their last act was to create you to make amends after they couldn't do it themselves and then they died feeding the cycle I don't That's know, what I who, got out who, of the game. Who is who is the sentient creature, and who is the who is the, the the people? Who are the people we're stewarding? We're stewarding the the cycle of energy in this planet, in this area, through the mountain, right? The mountain reborns, re, re, restarts everything, right? Because you can yeah. see in the in the opening murals, things come from the mountain. They create the the fabric that rises yeah, from yeah, the, yeah. the ground and gets harvested, and so. You, I think the brown robe people, are there to steward that cycle because a lot of that was trapped by the previous civilization. How They're are we stewarding the cycle? You free them. How is it a brown robe? It's a red robe, right? Yeah, sure. That's... The red robe. Mm, it's in it's between brown. maroon. <laughs> <laughs> I would never call that brown. Well, a lot of them are trapped. What I'm saying is lots of these things are trapped. They can't get to the mountain because they're in cages. You free them. And then they yeah, go yeah. and you see them in that like that ending sequence where they're all up there in the mountain. 
is that all of them? I don't know about that because you see well, that a lot hmm. of people. All right, so this is a detail I didn't get until like the fifth time around, but all of the all of the carpet creatures or the fabric creatures that get up to the mountain die before they reach the top. Which is fine, right? If they're reborn, then. No, no, before they. What reach, do you mean? They no, die no, 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 no. I don't mean like us. Top. I mean, so for example, when you're crawling up this, you know, you're walking through this crevice in the last uh, frozen level, mm-hmm. um, and then you walk up to this sort of clearing where you've got a lot of the fabric sticking up out of the ground. And normally, like, that didn't register for me for a while, but there's, like, this big music swelling, this big emotive, (laughs) you know, whatever. Um, And I realized... The music, oh, my God, it's crazy. And I realized that these are actually corpses. Yeah. And the reason it's swelling is the, you know, these are, like, big whales. They're, like, the big fabric whales, and they're making a point, like, hey, this is something majestic that died here. Yeah. Yeah. and you see other things dying all on your way up to the thing. So I don't know how that means that they, I guess well, you're, so that's what the you point have is to, that they get reborn. Wait. Well, what, what I'm saying is you have to buy into the fact that you die at the end. And so everything mm-hmm. that died gets reborn just like you do. And that's what happens. And that's the cycle. You're it's just like trying everybody's to, in that kind of paradise area right. before they get right. shot so out that, of the mountain What I'm again. saying is that that paradise okay. sequence is not actually a physical sequence. It's like a spiritual sequence. Yeah. And then you get reborn. Since there's things that are still trapped, every time you're reborn, you go through the cycle of freeing more of them so they can get to the mountain. Where well, they it's die, not really more of them reborn. if you go back. I mean, <laughs> I don't think, I, I think my point is, I don't know what to gain from this interpretation that we're just reharvesting stuff. I don't know that we get a lot from that idea. Although well, it is an interesting stitching together of the lore. For me, it's just trying to mm-hmm. make sense of the consistency because otherwise I need to go into time travel to justify how the white civilization created this prophecy for everyone that comes by. <laughs> so to the me, pro- it's just... well, the, the prophecy, why is it a prophecy? I thought it was, what I, my interpretation was this civilization fell and they put together a monument to their folly. <laughs> Something like, you know, some Ozymandias shit. Well, not really Ozymandias, hmm. but you get the idea. I don't know. For me, I think it, they, well, they created the brown folks. The, the, the maroon folks and and that's why these <laughs> murals still exist as their last deed they created them then they went to the mountain and died because they couldn't rebuild their civilization hmm. and the parts the parts that you see between the chapters uh, are a prophecy because it shows what you're going to do before you do it right like I think or does it show after no it's definitely as you do it it is as you do it but it is definitely prescribed because when you yeah, get up to the yeah. tower uh, it shows their murals with everything you've done already on them and yeah. what you're going to do right now. It's right. sort of establishing the fact that this has all been written, this has all been played before, right. it's all in a big circular tower, it will be played again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so... So hmm. I took, I tried to take it to be less religious and more like actual practical, like this is your purpose, you were created to do this. Um, yeah, and I mean, there is also the question of why do these, you know, white-robed creatures raise you from the dead, basically, or right. like bring you into that paradise once you've collapsed into the snow of exhaustion? Right. I, uh, I fair point. I personally didn't worry too much about it playing the game. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no, no I. I, I didn't need it to die. <laughs> but fair point. Uh, this will have to be considered yeah. carefully. It's just when you get reborn, it's like these are okay. ma- these are the small details they threw in for the people who played it a bunch of That's times. Right. That, to or these are the, every, what these everything are the means. loose yeah. ends that people try to put together, and then they don't really make sense. And they're <laughs> like, "Why are you looking into anything. that? We these, needed you to collect ten things." And these are the voyages. 
<laughs> we were just drawing nice shapes. They don't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we touched on... Edwin said the word religious, and that pricked up my ears. Because putting aside this whole sort of cyclical... Well, let's not put it aside. Right, we discussed this cyclical narrative. Mm-hmm. It is sort of a reincarnation, reincarnation narrative. Re- what in Re- reincarnation? <laughs> <laughs> it is a reincarnation narrative. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of things... I think there's a lot of things here that push sort of religious imagery, and I think I know why they do it, or at least I have a theory of what it does. But real quick before I touch on those, mm-hmm. another point on reincarnation and sort of this Buddhist angle of the cycle is this idea of uh, of bodhisattvas, which is a word I heard in AP World History a long time ago <laughs> and forgot until I oh, played God. this. <laughs> but it's basic. It's great because it's, um, it, from my limited understanding, it is people that forgo going to, they have become enlightened, but they forgo going to nirvana and they will be reincarnated in order to guide other people. And that's how I view sort of the white hmm. robes. And I thought, oh, wow, that's that's really great. That's really That really plays well together. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know that. I wouldn't say that, oh, they, in, they put that in there as a definite nod. But I think, you know, oh, this, everything kind of ties together, or at least on that front, or at least those two things tie together on that front. That is pretty interesting, yeah. Um, so that's that note. But um, there's also a lot of just general religious imagery, not just of like a Buddhist angle or an Eastern angle. You get a lot of, uh, I'm just going to go through these examples. Mm-hmm. Um, first, at the end, you're going up to heaven. You've got a lot of these uh, gates. I think they're called tori or something yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah. Basically, these these Japanese gates. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, hey, that's a religious thing. Uh, let me look at my notes because I've forgotten them. <laughs> Uh, of course, in the tower that fills with uh, fluid, and also like when you're sliding down the mount or the you know some of the dunes, you have a lot of sort of Islamic architectural styles. Sort of the, the decoration in windows tends to be these you know arabesque kind of things, sort of inserts, and that's mm-hmm. kind of neat. That's another reference, mm-hmm. if explicitly you know religious imagery in that regard. The, the depths, you know, when you're in your like your pit of existence with like the uh, the serpents, they, I think they're called the guardians, the sort of flying serpents that kill the fabric. Right, yeah. Uh, one, the serpents, I, I think, are an Aztec thing, because uh, the Aztecs have this day, de- right? The, the deity yeah. of the Quetzalcoatl, something like this. A plenty. You know, a flying, yes. a flying serpent. Uh, yeah. So it's like, oh, hey, that's another thing. They made a stone, which kind of goes with the sort of what we perceive Aztec architecture you know sort of that vibe um yeah and then also in the cathedral or rather i kind of put let it spill there in the depths it kind of looks like a cathedral you've got this big long corridor along the sides you have rows of um the serpents right kind of like sort of risers with like i don't know worshippers it's all sort of cathedral like imagery especially when you consider the windows You've got like some clerestory windows, which is like the second window above the main window. Anyway, all this to say, it's all there. <laughs> and we're all, last thing, <laughs> we're all in like a monk's robe, you know, arguably. It's kind of like a monastic garb in a way because yeah. it is sort of detaching, you know, there's no sort of identifiable thing. Mm-hmm. So that kind of plays into that. Uh, and all of this, I think, is very neat. And I'm surprised, as we discussed in the pre-show, that you guys didn't see any of it because I thought, oh, this is really neat. I think I definitely didn't um, like examine those details that in depth, but when you when you point out all those examples, I think it makes sense because um, it kind of plays into just like the spiritual 
feeling of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's... So yeah, I think that, that would be my explanation to me, for it. To but me, the... They definitely do seem kind of deliberate. I did, I did see the snakes lighting the cathedral, as you call it. I was very confused because I was like, okay, but why are they worshiping what accounts to an ICBM in their world? I was like, mm. I thought they would put like the, the nice ones, the ones that don't actually have weapons on them. I thought that was interesting. Well, interesting. Um, um, I had read that far. I do think sort of my general take from all this is that uh, it, it elevates the tone of the game to something mm. of like yeah. deep consequence. Like if we were like just hanging mm -hmm. out in a city... And like you know, <laughs> freeing dogs from cages—it's not the same right. weight as something like this. And also, yeah. by referencing sort of you know these varied belief systems, you do maintain a certain accessibility, universality. You know, you don't write off like, oh, this is a bunch of Buddhist bullshit. Of course, right. I would see this. <laughs> of course, this is what this game is. You know, you get it's sort of universal in that way. And I think that was a strength, and also just a pretty thing to look at, just yeah. because religious art tends to be you know weighty and pretty uh -huh. <sighs> and, yeah definitely that's, and that's rent. pretty cool <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah very interesting but yeah i agree it kind of it definitely does play or bring out the that tone um it's definitely a very going back to sorry go ahead oh you can go did you want to say that no it's fine <laughs> okay um yeah going back to the the cyclical nature of the game i think something that a couple of us have also mentioned or you know prior to this is differences that come up you know playing the game multiple times um and i know you guys had some thoughts on what how it's different when you play the first time versus how, when you play the last time your motivations yeah uh we sort of touched on this and i haven't like dwelled on this but i will sort of give you my you know, my gut feeling as I played it. The first time, as I mentioned, I felt kind of awkward. You know, I wasn't really sure. It did feel like, it did feel like a proper journey because I was alone at three in the morning. <laughs> I was alone <laughs> at three in the morning, you know, kind of going through all this. I, I jumped at the uh, the serpent thing. I'd still jump every time. Side note, when the jump scare in the, in the cathedral. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, it was kind of a, a long thing. And then in contrast, the last one where I had the white robe, I felt much freer, mainly not having the constraint of chasing down all these fabrics and like getting power from them. I was free to just kind of go about and like fly around, you know, haplessly. I, d I didn't need to free everything in in the world to continue on my journey uh, and to really keep mm -hmm. playing, which was nice as a playable thing. Although I did end up freeing a bunch of the fabric anyway on the basis of, hey, this is a nice thing to do, which I think maybe is a statement unto itself. Uh, and then again, <laughs> of course, I, stepping into the role of teacher, having the white robe, just is a completely different play through. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess his motivation. And of course, the... Oh, good. Yeah, start. I was going to say, and of course, the runs where you're just trying to find things. And... Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of changing motivations, whether it's like you're picking up all the symbols or, you know, you're playing the game for the first time, trying to figure out what the hell is going on with like... The lore, because I, uh, yeah, the first time around I was kind of lore focused. Um, and the last time around was really more stepping into the game, the game's themes, and living them out through my play. Mm. Uh, and that went okay. Like the person I was teaching left halfway through. I was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, you were a bad teacher. Evidently, I also, evidently. 
something else to note when I when I did go back to and replay like specific chapters only because I had certain things missing from those, um, which the game does allow you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt bad, like when I found a yeah. companion and got to the end of the chapter, and I was like, "Oh well, I, I'm not going to keep playing because I was really only here for one thing." As you should. Good luck. You should. Good luck feel finishing bad. your life without me. Here's one last recharge of your sky. Bye. In a way, in a way, though, I do like it. You know, it, taking this into the context of themes we take away for our everyday life, and sort of the theme of like, oh, you know, you've got this journey of life, and you meet people, and sometimes it's short lived. Sometimes it's short lived. Sometimes yeah. you never see them again. You know, sometimes you die with someone. Sometimes you see them for one collectible. And that's something. Yeah. Um, sometimes you always <laughs> die alone. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> I think I made my piece on on um, on yeah. what what it feels like to be reborn. I think my both places as, as teacher and student have really impacted me as uh, how I internalize this game. Even though you never actually got to finish the game with somebody. Yeah, but I think that's that's an interesting outcome. I don't think that's a fail state of the game. I, I, I think that's I a very interesting... No, yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't think you lose that much. I mm-hmm. think it's just more of a... You, get, you really get... You know, it's sort of a sublimation of your relationship when you go from yeah. the bottom to the top and then like revel in, in heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I guess another tiny thing to mention is like as you're going through the game you can see kind of shooting stars falling in the distance yes. and then once once you turn into one of them you're like oh wow all of those other stars that were people was me. but then I can see my house from It here. also makes me think if those are actual players <laughs> or if that's just the game throwing those in there oh. I wondered the same thing I have to believe that the game just throws them in there but I think you know it's yeah. basically the same effect for you to wonder Oh, those are people right. beating the game right now. Because if it were people beating the game right then and there, you have to imagine that at launch, this thing was just continuous stream of fucking soldiers <laughs> from the mountain. <laughs> Shooting stars everywhere. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I know uh, we've kind of talked a lot about you know the sequel stuff, but Jonas, I... Oh. <laughs> I believe you have some sort of piece to share with uh, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. Sisyphus. Sisyphus, my man. Um, yeah, I really should have integrated this into my earlier rant, but maybe that would have made it longer and not as enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> TLD, I'll try and compress it as much as I can. You know, I'm not asserting that this is like some big thing of consequence. I just thought it was an interesting lens to view this to view this through. Mm-hmm. Um, so the myth of Sisyphus is you know, an old Greek myth where basically the king of Corinth, Sisyphus, and the short story is, you know, he cheats death twice and the gods don't like it, so they throw him in Hades forever to roll a rock up a hill forever. And it's forever because it rolls down the hill uh, every time he gets to the top. Um, mm-hmm. So that context, just that in itself, you know, is there's you know, the, the cyclical nature of it, the sort of question of, like, does any of this matter? Did any of this happen? Was there any consequence to this? It's called, you know, going up the mountain and coming back down to repeat it is this game to me. So after the first playthrough, I had this in the back of my mind. I was just kind of mulling it over for a long time. Um, and I don't know that I got anywhere conclusive, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> so in the 20th century, uh, philosopher Camus picked up the myth of Sisyphus in an essay as sort of the symbol for the, uh, I wouldn't say absurdist movement, but sort of his absurdist line of thought, which is basically that there is no external validation to your life, you being everyone. Um, There's no true knowledge, no absolute value that will, uh, you know, sort of justify 
you're suffering, if you are suffering, or just overcome the fact that you will die. And so Sisyphus comes in as a symbol, as the absurd hero, because he, you know, labors day in and day out, no end in sight. Futility is sort of the name of the game here. And what uh, what Camus posits is that uh, the fall is this image. Sisyphus is walking down the hill, you know, and he has this moment of lucidity when he's not pushing the rock. And he sees the absurdity of his predicament. It's sort of like, well, here I am forever. And he realizes it. And in that realization is both a punishment and also a victory that he can accept and keep pushing the rock forever. And one has to, I think what he says is, one has to imagine Sisyphus happy. Uh, so I'm not going to pretend I understand this 100%. And I'm not going to pretend that it's a perfect analogy because it's not. <laughs> For like our hero, our robed hero gets a reward of Nirvana at the end. And, you know, maybe we can argue back and forth all day. I did internally all day without really any big like aha but it at a minimum it serves as a good contrast to what this game is emphasizing because if the context is there is no point and that's fine and you can still be happy you know if the game is emphasizing that the connections you make with other players with the things around you in spite of this futility or at least rep repetitiveness if that's what it's emphasizing then maybe that is you know, that's different from the myth of Sisyphus, and therefore, ah, that's what the game is trying to say. Sort of like, that is the big mm -hmm. weight. It's adding more weight to its message just from the context, in a way. I right. don't think this was done intentionally. I read an interview where they said, yeah, this whole thing is based on uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. And I thought, oh, well, right. Uh, not the myth of Sisyphus. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, it is an interesting thought. I, uh, and I'll leave it at that. I think, yeah, that's definitely... Go ahead. I think for me, I don't think I disagree with you, but for me, it's it's like a two level layer, and I think you, I think I recognize that for the player, I think that assessment of Sisyphus as Camus would imagine it is right. We are, we could be, somebody stuck playing Journey forever. <laughs> could we though? That that's that's where I thought the analogy broke down first is the player, because the player plays a low number of times like five six times no but and if... and like the game changes every time it's very clear that the game changes you become a bodhisattva uh so <laughs> like i don't know that the player could sorry I, I did mean to interrupt your whole train of thought but i will say that that is where i first had like a hold up this is nonsense <laughs> well it's 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 you are playing the game over and over again if uh -huh. you take a step away from the game and take the player and the game together then the player in this context is pushing a boulder, which is playing the game. Sure. And that boulder repeats itself every time, that action of playing the game, when you play it again. Sure, some things change, but that's no different than him grabbing the rock differently in every iteration. Um, what I find interesting is it's, it's, it's when you analyze what that rock is in this context. And that is, for me, I think... Uh, a character in this game that isn't really aware that he's been reborn. He learns everything from scratch again and goes through his own life with the purpose being of stewarding these creatures to being reborn, which then he is reborn himself. Mm. Which is, I think, for me, it's a very interesting experience. It's, yes, you are doing this task over and over again, but in doing so, you're really pretty much just caring to term a whole life. Um, so I think to me that's just a very interesting way to think about, you know, maybe in the case of the Sisyphus myth, 
this would be like the purpose of a god, a god who is stewarding a rock, which could be a whole civilization. And he just repeats that process over and over again for every life. So I just think it's an interesting way to, to try to incorporate those two perspectives of there being repetition in this game, but at the same time for me, there not being any repetition in the life of each one of these characters that you carry around um, through their journey. Mm. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I do think the robe guy kind of forgets every time. He has to, right. you know, he goes through every step and the sort of the white giants explain to him every time, like, this is what's going to happen, and every time he looks around in wonder... So I think that's right. And I think that is an interesting perspective. And mm. huh. Huh. food for thought. <laughs> Indeed. What a game. <laughs> what an experience. <laughs> the best game of yeah, I don't know about that, but good. Good. <laughs> I think the last thing we could probably discuss, I don't know if Sarah, if you have anything else, but it's maybe how this actually behaves as a game, how everything together creates a unique experience and how it would can be or could not be adapted for me that's really what Mm -hmm. really sets this game apart it's just something that is so inherently game-esque oh yeah that you could watch a game uh, sorry a movie where you have somebody being reborn doing the same thing again (laughs) but there's a there's a gap there between feeling it as you do it right of being in charge of this and communicating with somebody as you do it that elevates this game uh, sorry, this experience to be really, really tied to its medium. Um, so that's why I think this game resonates with me. The immediacy of having someone there and of, you know, seeing the lights in the sky and thinking like, oh, that's someone else out there, for sure. The the uh-huh. interactive and the personal nature of that, almost intimate nature of that is is good. Um, Especially if you contrast it and it's like, yeah, but like if you play a game like what is a game? Is what makes a game special? If you play something like, I don't know, Metal Doom. Gear Solid Four, for example, <laughs> it's a game where the cutscenes will always happen in the same way, regardless of what you do to get to them, right? There's a narrative mm-hmm. and there's gameplay, and they're kind of distant. Is that really unique to gaming? Or the the converse, playing something like Tetris, is there something that Tetris says that's unique, or is it just really a toy in the end, right? Just a toy that you use a different way to interact with. For me, Journey is a game that melds both of them. An experience that is interactive as it is narrative, but not narrative in a conventional way that could be conveyed in other mediums. And so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think the like the collaborative um, aspect of it that comes in with the companionship is something that's you know unique to this medium. Um, I mean, you can have movies about something cyclical you know, you can watch Groundhog Day, but it's not the same as Edge of Tomorrow you know, playing through this Cruise. game with another person. Right, right. <laughs> Fifty first dates. <laughs> the uh, list goes on. Does it? I actually couldn't think of any more examples, which is why I stopped. That's why I said the list goes there's, on. There's, there's, I mean, there's a trope in like science fiction shows where they always have a loop episode, at the very least. So yeah, it's it's pretty common. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I don't have any other topics on the outline. Do you guys have any, you know, final thoughts before we get into our conclusion here? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think I'm good. For once. Wow. Really? For once? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. Usually, you've got at least one or two random things <laughs> well, that you already, wanted to I throw. I already in. did my rants. Uh, that was good. Um, 
And to, you know, to be frank, we this is a two-hour. It's a game. It's a lot more streamlined. You know, it's minimalist. Right. And though it has a lot to sort of dissect and and how you interpret it, maybe the actual, you know, there's not that much. Right. Like physically there or represented. Right. So yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So then, uh, I guess what uh, what are your guys's concluding thoughts on the game? The bottom line for you. Who wants to go first? Uh, I gotta find my notes. So Edwin, go first. Uh, sure. It's it's for me. It's a seminal work of gaming. It's a masterpiece. I think it will be a game that will keep being ported years and years from now. So my final rating <laughs> for it is a fantastic cereal served on a glass bowl made of the finest sand in Journey. All right. <laughs> Point taken. Uh, says the guy who played it twice. Jesus. Um... That's all it takes. <laughs> it's true. That is it's all true. it takes. I, uh, I won't. I won't deny that fact. But I just find it funny. But you have to keep playing. You need to experience the white robe, Edwin. <laughs> well, he he already sort of <laughs> really did. Do. He he sort of did. He didn't need the robe to but step he... into that role. Yeah. Yeah. You just he need somebody who's bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have confidence, you need to be shameless, and you need to have someone who, you know, doesn't have confidence and is also shameless. Perfect. It's a perfect match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, my thoughts. My thoughts. Uh, I don't have anything as grand and, and bombastic as Edwin had. Uh, I will say it's quite a good game. It's fun to play. It's low commitment. It uh, still yields a decent bit of enjoyment and, and a message, especially on later playthroughs, which is a feat for me i don't tend to play games multiple times as i said perhaps i should but i just don't um rating both halves of a sea salt ice cream double pop you know the ones that like split in half mm. that's yeah two. no <laughs> you know like the- two popsicles and you break it like chopsticks yeah yeah exactly okay all right uh, yeah i don't think i've ever seen one of those in real life but i've always really? seen them drawn as like cartoon <laughs> ice cream no, yeah, yeah. I've I've had one, at least. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, so so my thoughts. Um, yeah, you know, I agree with both of you guys. I don't know if I have as strong feelings about the game as Edwin. I did really like it, and it it you know impressed me in a lot of different ways. I think it's a great example of how a very simple set of mechanics, along with some really great music that underscores the emotion in the game, yes, and some really Really pretty visuals um, can enforce these themes of, of friendship um, and, you know, the journey of life that we've talked about. Um, and I think, as I said earlier, the, the uniqueness about it is how that companionship comes into play here. I don't think I can think of any other examples of that that, that I've, true. you know, experienced before. Um, and yeah, it's the, like you said, Jonas, it's, it's a game that's meant to be played again and again, and I would definitely recommend it. And my rating is is one full plate of sparkly sand because <laughs> I could look at the sand in this game for hours. Indeed, it's beautiful. Uh, it is so beautiful. You know, as I said, Seth, it's so beautiful. Uh, that's one thing we really didn't sit with for a long time during this discussion is, you know, and probably a big a big thing that's keeping you engaged in the game. It's just it's cinematic. It's pretty. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's this really striking moment where you know the sun is setting. 
against the mountain and like the sand around you is all gold and there's this big arch and you're just like wow we're really out here and then yeah. you're plunged into the depths <laughs> of tartarus it's like really it's striking and the music yes. just augmenting the whole thing drama when it's needed and it's custom you know to this exact moment it's really polished Perhaps mm -hmm. we should have led with that. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's a gorgeous, <laughs> incredible audiovisual presentation. Yeah, I guess yeah. One of the things I had in my notes that I didn't mention too was the use of lighting in the game. Like you mentioned, you know the the lighting also kind of really underscores the emotion in different parts of the game, and the music goes alongside it. Obviously, when you're underground and it's dark, it's kind of you know more spooky and somber. But yeah, but you know, Sarah, go play the game and you'll see. Yeah, and, do it. <laughs> Uh, just remember, kids, when you uh, play with a friend and stand close to each other, your scarves light up. Faster, <laughs> <laughs> you just hold circle, yes. though. I guess. <laughs> I but then you have to that. like, like press it anyway. That's 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 our show. <laughs> yep. yep. Tune in next time when we discuss something else. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 I will point out to the listeners that we do have a mailbag. Uh, if you want to send questions, comments, you know, have you got a cool reading that we didn't get to? Did you see some great details that we didn't? Do you have a suggestion mm. of something we should watch and cover? Send it at waitingforstirfry at gmail.com. We'll buy a domain name eventually, maybe. But until then, waitingforstirfry at gmail.com. <laughs>